first letter of Peter, chapter 4, verses 12 to 14, and chapter 5, verses 6 to 11, suffering as a Christian. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power for ever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Whoops! How many times have you said that? How many whoops moments have you had in your life? Some are a bit trivial, like, whoops, I burnt my tongue on that soup, I should have let it cool a bit longer. And some could have unfortunate consequences. Whoops, I've put my foot in my mouth again, and now those people aren't talking to me. I wonder if you know, and probably you do know, the advertising slogan, should have gone to Specsavers. That line has become part of our culture, and the ad campaign uses some... Uh, mistakes that people make because they've got bad eyesight like there's one where there's a beach volleyball player who's got bad eyesight obviously and he spikes what he thinks is the volleyball but it's a seagull or there's another one with a lifeguard who runs out to sea and swims out to sea actually runs runs along the beach and then out to sea and saves what he think is a drowning child but instead He's grabbed a seal and saved a seal. And people these days often post their pics or videos on social media showing situations like that. And they put the hashtag, should have gone to Specsavers, hashtag should have gone to Specsavers, and also the hashtag, hashtag whoops. What is whoops? Well, it's a surprise at making a mistake. Do you ever have any whoops times in your Christian life or Christian faith where uh, something that, that you've thought about or gone through, whoops, you made a mistake about that. And the teaching of the Bible tells you something different. For example, like this, if you have faith in God, and if God is God and creator of all, and if God knows each one of us, well then, surely we're going to live a fairly good life with not much uh, suffering in our life, definitely. Maybe lives of health and prosperity and success in the worldly sense. Some people think that following God would bring only health, prosperity and success. 
If I follow Jesus, trust in God, why would I suffer? The disciples had this view initially when they began following Jesus. They thought that Jesus' ministry was going to be one of glory from a worldly point of view and that it would include even also political power. And so some of the disciples sort of fought with each other and argued about who would be getting the best uh, jobs in uh, the highest political uh, positions under Jesus. None of the disciples really understood Jesus when he said the Messiah must suffer. They rejected any kind of talk that Jesus made about his suffering. Whoops, the disciples had to learn, didn't they? The first letter of Peter that we've been going through uh, starts our reading with this kind of uh, expression. Whoops, I'm a Christian. I follow Christ. Why am I suffering? Peter says in first uh, in, in his first letter, chapter 4, verse 12, don't be surprised. Don't have this whoops kind of moment or thought by the suffering that you're going through. You're suffering. That's not strange. That's not something to be surprised about. Suffering as a Christian, suffering for being Christian, that's not strange. Of course, if you've murdered or robbed someone or done something like that, you can expect to get punished and suffer for that. That's what everyone knows. But if you faithfully follow Jesus and trust in him, why should you suffer? It's a very common way of thinking. Why should people who follow Jesus and trust in Jesus, why should they suffer? The people that Peter was writing to are suffering because they're Christians. They're getting marginalized, despised, discriminated against. It's not fair to suffer for something you believe in, to suffer just for being a Christian. Peter's point could extend to other kinds of suffering that we often think are unfair. They were faithful Christians, so why did this terrible thing happen to them? It's not fair. They are faithful members, but they had lots of trouble come their way. That doesn't seem fair. They got sick, or they died young, or they got killed in an accident, struck down by a drunken driver, and the drunken driver survived. That's not fair. You're a Christian. You're following Christ. Shouldn't God care for you so that things just go well for you in your life? So why are you suffering? People often have trouble thinking over that. The first letter of Peter says, don't be surprised. Don't keep puzzling over it. Peter says, it's not surprising. It kind of should be in your diaries. Christians, suffering. But when it happens, we go, whoops, because we've had all kinds of ideas about what being a Christian is, and suffering isn't one of them. And when Peter goes on to say something else about suffering, we get another surprise, because in verse 13 he says, rejoice in your suffering. Now that is a surprise, isn't it? Because we generally don't put 
rejoicing or joy or happiness together with suffering. But Peter puts suffering as a Christian, suffering for following Christ, for doing good, suffering for the sake of others. He puts this into the context of Christ's suffering, that we are united together with Christ in his suffering. And remember, Jesus himself said, you want to follow me? Pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus is saying, join with me. There's going to be suffering. So joy comes from being united with Jesus, being in solidarity with him. And there's also an anticipation of being united with Jesus that there's great rejoicing, shouting for joy that we can anticipate uh, coming into glory with Jesus. Just as Jesus suffered, united with him in his suffering, we are united with him in his resurrection and in his glory. But it's not the usual way we think of. We usually think that joy excludes suffering, just like many people exclude suffering from the Christian life. Where's the joy and where's the life? That's Where's the life with joy and not with suffering? That's what people look for. When I was visiting a congregation in Port Moresby, there was a, a Christian woman. She'd recently become a Christian, but very soon after that she became very sick with a terminal illness and uh, stayed a long time in hospital. And lots of her Christian friends came to visit her, prayed for her there in the hospital, also uh, in their prayer groups and at home. There was a lot of prayer uh, going up for this woman. Uh, but she never got well. And uh, some of her family who uh, weren't Christian, came up with all sorts of other ideas. They said, you've tried all this Christian stuff, all this Christian praying, and it's not working. We know some spirit powers, and we'd like to try out using some spirit power that we think will work, which will get you well again. Uh, she uh, didn't follow their advice, and she stayed strong in her faith, refusing this. She clung to her faith in Jesus and with her terminal illness she died trusting in Jesus. Some family members were ready to try something else. But she found joy in her suffering because she was reunited with Jesus in her suffering. Well, it won't be a surprise then, but it often is a surprise when Peter says another thing about suffering. He says, that there is blessing in suffering. That's a surprise for many who would never describe suffering as a blessing. Blessing is not suffering. Blessing is being well, everything going well. But 1 Peter talks like this. When you are suffering in the name of Christ, you are actually enjoying God's favor. You are blessed. You are not under a curse. Whoops, a lot of people have that way of thinking, that blessing must be a curse in your life. Something's gone wrong, someone has done something wrong, and you or your family is cursed, or your sick family member, or you don't have enough faith. First Peter says that suffering in the name of Christ is a blessing. The spirit of glory, indeed the spirit of God is resting on you, Peter says. You are blessed. God's spirit is on you. Yes, in your suffering, God's spirit is on you. Just think of that. 
So, whoops, you might have thought Christians won't suffer. Sometimes you might have thought that, or people might have had that thinking, and that there couldn't be any joy in suffering, and God's blessing couldn't be in suffering, and that God's Spirit couldn't be on you in your suffering. Peter does place our suffering, our whole Christian life, in fact, in a much wider context. He's said that we are united with Christ, therefore we are united with Christ in his suffering, and also therefore in anticipating his glory. Peter also says we are united with others who are suffering for following Christ. And let's face it, some people are suffering, uh, really suffering for their faith more than anything we've had to suffer. People suffer great persecution and uh, death for following Christ. Peter also puts it into this context saying, resist the enemy, the devil, which makes Peter kind of putting it into a greater, our struggles and our suffering into a much greater, uh, greater thing. He puts, sees the magnitude of our sufferings and our struggles that we are part of. Peter does say resist the evil one, and by that he means stay firm in your faith in Christ. Cling to Christ. Just like that very sick woman clung to her faith in Jesus and with her terminal illness died trusting in Christ. Peter closes with words which encourage us to see ourselves in God's presence, to not be surprised by what happens, but to continue to trust in him. Uh, chapter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves, come into God's presence and stay into God's presence just as you are, God gives you what, you're, what you need and God is the one who will lift you up. In verse 7 of chapter 5 he says, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Peter tells you to throw it all on him. Whatever's in your heart, all those anxieties, turn it into a prayer to God and meditate on God's goodness for you in Christ Jesus. At the last verses of our text, Peter says, the God of all grace. Peter calls God the God of all grace. He has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you have suffered for a little while, God will restore himself to you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. So God has called you. You are following him as a follower of Jesus. God has chosen you. So see yourself in the presence of this full of grace God. Even and especially when you suffer. You are not alone. Your Lord Jesus who is the best and clearest expression of God's grace to you in your life. He is the one who has suffered for you died for you and rose again for you to life. Uh, this Jesus shows us that God is full of grace. He is with you. He is for you, even when you suffer. Amen.